welcome to We're Not Sisters Creepypasta Showdown episode 8. Are you oh, ready for yeah. part 2 of my story? I left it on a pretty big cliffhanger, not gonna lie. You know what? Well, I, I see... didn't read it like that. It was written like that. It so. was written like that. You can't be blamed. I've actually heard so much about skinwalkers from people who aren't someone I'd expect to talk about skinwalkers recently since you read me that story. And I was like, so like, wow. You know, sorry, like when you're I can't watching have something. This conversation. <laughs> yeah, I was like, sorry, I'm I'm not gonna add anything to this conversation. Thank you. And I'm wearing, I know nothing. I'm wearing my creepypasta jumper. Woo! So I mean I'm oh. wearing this, it's got Alcatraz on it. Maybe that would be better for internet sleuths. Because crime. Maybe. Because it crime. I'm going to buy myself another Twilight hoodie. I think I've just decided on the spot right now, but I am I think I might do that tonight. Yes, you go for it. with that. Yes. I, think I need to like buy posters and stuff for my room. It's looking a bit bare, isn't it? Twilight posters? Yes, you should. No. That's, that's what you said. I did not say <gasps> oh, Twilight posters. Uh, actually, I no, that's posting. not a good idea. I know you should get a poster of me. <laughs> Yes, actually, I was thinking of getting like a <laughs> custom duvet of just your face. Please, like I'm sure idea would like be. How people get blankets with like their girlfriend yes. on it. <gasps> you should get a cushion of my face. Oh yes, and then if I make I one of those ones, you do it one way as your face, yeah. and the other way, who should it be? Robert Patterson. Yeah. I don't know why yeah. the first person that came to mind was Shrek. Was Shrek? I, I like that. I'd be okay. happy to share a cushion with Shrek. Okay, cool. I'll okay. do that then. I like that for you. Anyway, oh, no. so we're going to be finishing the second part of my story. Yeah. And then Eleanor is going to read us one too. Spooky, very spooky. Double spooks. Double. You know what I've realised we haven't been doing lately? I'm ashamed of us. We haven't been rating the creepypastas spooks out. Uh, I was about to say that. It's because they've not been very scary. Yeah, they just haven't been that scary. <laughs> but, I mean, to I be fair, you couldn't, you couldn't rate it last week because mm. it's mm-hmm. not finished. I think it's only been the last two, but like, they just... I'm struggling to find ones that are scary. Like some of them are like, oh, that's yeah. a good story. But like, I'm not like, uh, I'm scared. Yeah, like I enjoyed reading it, but nothing that like creeps me out. And I don't want to do one exactly. that's like been on like, are you scared or things like that? Because yeah, like they're brilliant, them. but like we know them. I need to find out where exactly. they found them from. People submitted most of those. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. I might like stalk their comment section of people like suggesting stuff, maybe. Just like see if you can tweet them like, do you have any good stories we can use? Please thank you. Please and thank you. We are your competitors. I'm joking. I'm not. not your competitors, but we could use a helping hand. <laughs> a helping um, hand to be your competitors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear. So let's get into it. If we must. So, I don't really have a summary of what happened in part one so if you don't remember I, I suggest you go watch it again yeah definitely go watch creepypasta seven could we watch the first part all you need to know skinwalkers 
someone with bad decisions that's always the case yeah, should have left on the first girl night. lives in like a caravan in but middle of nowhere <laughs> and <laughs> sorry what that really tickled me but in the middle of nowhere yeah i yeah. never heard anyone say that before it's a thing i'm sure it's a thing but middle of that's nowhere that's so funny i love that if it's not a thing, I've made it a thing now, so. Yeah. And yeah, so she she starts telling her friends about skinwalkers one day. And mm. then the skinwalkers start coming to her. And her neighbor got, like, murdered, like, ripped apart. And the police are like, have you seen any bears around lately? And she's like, mm, not bears, but weird stuff's been happening. Yeah. And then, so she decides the to move back. Her. She decides to move back home, basically, yeah. with her parents. Because she's like, yeah, uh-huh. I guess I'm new. On the way to her parents' house, she could so see the cliffhanger the ended. Yeah, that she could see the skinwalkers or something running um, along in the woods side her car. Yeah, and that's where we left off. Fun. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Cool beans. Okay. If you see me reading, I'm reading. Oh, <laughs> had to steal that one. Hell yeah. The way back to my parents' house was through back roads in the country, which means they're long, curvy, and heavily wooded, and more than one creek winding through them. Most of the creeks didn't have guarded rails, so the roads weren't used as much as they would be in a city or town. The roads were easy to navigate in the day, but since the sun was setting quickly, I knew we had to get to the house as quickly as possible. I tried everything to distract myself from the creatures running behind my truck. I looked over at Max, and she was sound asleep, not even noticing them. Somehow, I couldn't keep my eyes off them. I tried as hard as I could to focus on the road and my surroundings. I tried to focus on how pretty the leaves looked during fall. I thought of my family and friends. I thought of all my wonderful co-workers who did on occasion call or send me flowers for being good at my job. I, I looked at that. all the streets. Oh. Yeah, same. <laughs> She must Thanks. have a nice workplace. Yeah, can't relate. I looked at all the streams and creeks I passing and admiring how beautiful they looked. I listened to the radio playing all of my favourite oldies and sang along to them. Still, my eyes drifted. They weren't slowing down. They didn't seem tired. These creatures yeah. were still weaving in and out of the tree line, staring me down. I couldn't quite look at them long enough to figure out what they were. But they were some sort of dog-like creature. Yet, as I was driving, they seemed to be quiet. They didn't scream or do weird noises like I heard the night before. They almost seemed to be waiting for something. Yeah. The setting even faster. It was slowly getting darker and darker. Luckily, I had amazing headlights to light up the road in front of me pretty well. But still, the part of the country we were in had a two-lane road that was small. Only one yellow line distinguished which side of the road you were on. Since I had a heavy-duty truck, I had to ride in the middle, so I wouldn't send my truck nor my camper into the ditch. I continued to drive behind my dad, occasionally looking to see how far ahead he was. He didn't travel faster than the speed limit, but this time he was 30 yards ahead of me. I sped up to keep close behind. I was slowly catching up when we passed over one of the deeper creeks. Bam! Splash. 
Something had hit the side of my truck hard enough to flip it off the road. Huh? Huh? Flip the truck? Into mm -hmm. the ditch? Mm-hmm. F*** off. No, sir. My Fiat 500 wouldn't withstand any of that. You'd get sent flying. <laughs> I must have been unconscious for hours. Oh, my. Came... <laughs> Me. I don't know why that caught me really off guard. I know. I didn't remember that this happened as well. Driving. <laughs> I'm fine. When I came to, I woke up with someone flashing a light into my eyes. I could see their mouths moving, but all I could hear was a deep ringing. Everything seemed fuzzy, and I drifted between consciousness and unconsciousness. Fun. The last thing I remember was loaded into the ambulance and seeing my truck and camper in literally Aww. pieces. I couldn't see Max at first. Oh, no. <gasps> I forgot about the dog. But when I did, oh, no. I noticed she was 10 feet up into a tree and shredded to pieces. No. No. They got the dog. <laughs> I'm going to cry. Why would you do that? Like, fucking sending them off into a ditch wasn't enough. You were like, hold on, let me go back in and get the dog and just... And then put him in the tree. Oh, fuck me. I don't remember much, but I do remember I had been transported to a hospital oh near a decent-sized city and I had been in a coma for only a couple days when I finally woke up. I woke up in the middle of the nurse came to check on me. When she opened the door and saw I was awake, she ran out in a panic. It must have been a good ten minutes when she and a man came walking in. Hey, you're going to be fine. I see you've woken up. Do you know where you are? The man said. I couldn't talk. I had a f***ing piece of plastic shoved down my throat. Dude, why did he ask her questions? I don't know, she could nod, I suppose, but... When I noticed it, I started gagging and coughing. Yeah. The nurse quickly grabbed something and shoved it into my IV, and I was out like a light again. What the hell? All she was doing was trying to get the tube out of her mouth, because that's what you do when someone wakes up from a coma. Why did you put her back to sleep for? No, because you're not... When you're awake, like, if you panic like that... Yeah, but as soon as someone gets out of a coma, you're supposed to take the tube out and give them an oxygen mask. True. I'm I'm suspicious of this doctor man. <laughs> <laughs> He's a skinwalker too. Imagine. He's just got a really good brain. <laughs> from what my parents told me, I had to be put into a coma for three weeks to let my body heal from the accident. Three weeks? I eventually woke up, healed and ready to get up and go. But alas, I still had to stay for a week to let my body adjust? I don't really know. Eventually, I did get to go home to my parents. I had no truck, I had no camp trailer, and I had no Max. Oh, I saw what shape her body was in, and I don't oh. think anyone but me noticed. <sighs> I spent most of my first day home mourning the loss of Max. I missed her mm. so much. She didn't deserve this. I felt like all of this was my fault, and essentially it was. I that night, my the noises started back up. The screams. The different oh. voices. Everything. What the f*** do these things want? Like, they almost killed her. Yeah. She had to go to sleep for three weeks. 
And you're just like, hold on. I know. Women if they, but like, like if they wanted to kill her, couldn't they have just done it then? Just done it then. Like you did the dog for no reason. Exactly. Dude. I was pissed. What could they possibly want? They killed my dog, ruined my truck and camper, and put me in a coma for weeks on end. I got up and wobbled outside. Shut up. Go away. <laughs> me. I screamed everything I possibly could to get them to go away. I walked out further into my parents' yard to confront these senile creatures. Senile? Sorry? Who says that? I mean, I'm guessing she meant to say, like, crazy, but that, and she probably, like, looked in a thesaurus and was like, what's another word for crazy, but... Senile. That doesn't quite work. Siri, what's a synonym for crazy? And yeah. Siri's like, senile. Senile. <laughs> That's when I noticed they didn't look like dogs or coyotes or wolves. They kind of did, but not fully. The back end of them was the body of a dog, but the front was kind of human, and the head of the creature was big, fluffy, and misshapen. There were at least 20 of these creatures. Oh, I I on my heel and went back inside. I thought there were two. Why the fuck did she go outside and shout out at 20 of them? I don't think she knew there were that many either. I hope. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gone outside. Imagine the three weeks she was in a coma, they were like, guys, 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 huddle up. We've got three weeks to just plan the best plan to get her. And then they're like, hold on, we just need to like, we just need to have so much sex and reproduce right now. And then there'll be like 20 of us and then we'll go get her. We've got three weeks. Why didn't, let's go. I was like, hey guys, sick party happening at mine. <laughs> don't worry party. about eating beforehand. The food yeah, don't worry. Refreshments will be provided. As long as you can work for it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I could tell they were running right for me, but I couldn't run. I was still hurt. I accepted that I could possibly get killed and I was fine with it. I wasn't with anyone and my parents have multiple children. I reached the door, quickly ran in, shut it and locked it all in time. I could hear the creatures throw their bodies against the house and it felt like a never-ending earthquake shook the house to its core. I could feel them breathe. My parents came running down the stairs and grabbed me rushing down to the basement as the back door splintered into pieces, letting more and more of the evil creatures in. My dad had bolted and hit a little red button in the basement. The sound of screeching metal filled my ears as a metal box surrounded the room. (laughs) Sorry? Why haven't you ever told me of this? I asked. I built it just in case, my dad replied. And with that reply, he went cold. That's when I knew this had happened before. To grandma, and as far as I know, to me. I turned to my mother and I asked her, What happened? She looked at me and sighed. She knew exactly what I meant when I asked her the question, which sent her into a story I had never even imagined. Back in the day, when grandma was a young teenager, her parents lived here in Tennessee, She dated a young boy. She loved this boy to pieces. They spent every waking moment attached at the hip. Well, her daddy didn't like him too much. He thought it was unethical, f***ing racist bastard. 
I think that I think he was native. Oh. Um, and decided to, well, take care of the problem. Since then, oh. the Shawnee tribe has cursed any land our family was touched. That's why she died when you were young. Different creatures of the day or night stalk us, waiting for the moment to kill us. And you called upon the night creatures, and now they're here. So basically the whole family's cursed because her her grandma fell in love with a native boy and then the dad so the grandma's dad killed him. Yeah, that's what I and took so the from tribe, that. And so the tribe put her on their entire family. First of all, completely deserved. Second of all, do yeah. you not tell your child that who's living on a plot of land in a trailer? by herself with no one around her you might want to say hold on don't don't talk about them because you will summon them and i i was really mad at the parents about this because like they how i'm gonna just assume stupidness runs in the family no because like you'll see afterwards but they're like pissed off at her but but you fucking could have told them man Exactly, that's what I mean. Like, it's kind of what? your fault. It is. If she 100%. knew this wouldn't have happened because she would have been more careful. Boomers, people, boomers. What are they doing in the world? Get them out. Oh my God. Mm. I could hear furniture being ripped to pieces and the house torn apart. My heart pounded out of my chest. I was angry. I was depressed knowing what my mum was going to say next. They're here because you called them upon us again. We lived in the shadows, until now. She stopped and turned away. I could tell that she was angry and frustrated. I felt my heart sink to my stomach. I did this. This was all my fault. Well, yes. I mean, it is because you knew not to talk about them anyway. But, like, you didn't know to the extent the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just... Yeah. No, sir. It had nope. felt like we have been in this metal imprisonment for weeks. We had enough food and only one single flashlight. We had buckets with lids for our, you know, business. We slept on the floor in sleeping bags and for pillows we used our jackets. It was coyish, a little too cosy. My parents didn't really talk to me, nor I to them. I was subsequently the one who brought this upon us, with the help of my grandmother, of course. Throughout this entire time, we still heard the creature scream. They had stopped ripping apart our house after a few hours. Unfortunately, they did surround the metal box, or that's what it seemed like. They were waiting for us to come out of hiding. They would quiet down for a couple of hours, then they would scream and try to lure us out of our metal bunker, using the voices of people in our lives. Mm. One by one, they cycled through so many people, from my mother's patients to friends and our family members, until all we heard was what seemed like a crowd of people screaming and bawling their eyes out. They did this every single time. Every single time. It was wearing my mum out. At one point, I and Dad had to physically sit on her to get her from pushing the button. Hell, let's be honest, it was wearing us all out. They knew how to trigger our emotions. Trying to picture them sitting on the mum. No. 
Like, is she that strong that you have to sit on her so she doesn't open the box? Jesus Christ, man. Only a handful of times did I hear Max's disembodied yelps and screams. Oh, my God. It infuriated me. My poor baby didn't deserve this bullshit. No. Every time I heard that yelp, I wanted to push the button and run out to save her. But right before I did, I remembered each time that she was gone. No offence, but if this was happening to me, and I don't know if I can say for certain, but if I heard the screams of my dead dog, I would not want to run out there and save the dead dog because I know the dog is dead. If you get what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't understand that. Like, if it was someone... I, mean, I think you... it's because, like, it's only just happened, so she doesn't want to accept that the dog is dead. True. But, like... I mean, you saw it ripped to sh- pieces in the tree, so... In the tree. Sure R.I.P. to Max. I was going insane. I felt like shit for putting Max into this situation that led her to her demise. I felt like I had put my family in a death or death situation. Well, yeah. There's no way out, is there? A death or death situation. A death, 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 death situation. (laughs) A death or death or death. Pick. Pick which one. (laughs) I (laughs) pick... My parents... What? I pick death. Hmm. Really? That's a surprising choice. I I just thought to go outside of the box a bit and pick death. Outside of the metal box? Exactly, (laughs) because I have to go outside of the box to get it. Yes. I'm smarter than I give myself credit for. My parents wouldn't talk to me, if at all, and I was defeated. One what I believed to be a day, everything was going about as our new normal when I started hearing whimpering. A couple of the creatures started to whimper for a while, then struck absolute chaos. Sirens and gunshots, and what sounded like chanting, rang through the metal bunker. It was a bittersweet feeling to hear something other than the creatures trying to kill us. At one end, was it just our minds playing tricks on us, or was it real? My parents heard it too. They actually started talking to me and to each other. Then we made a game plan. When the gunshots and sirens stop and we hear voices, we will hit the button and take the risk of going back into the house. If we die, whatever. Sorry? If we die, whatever, it's fine. We've just been in this box for weeks trying to avoid that, but if if it happens, it happens. (laughs) If we live, awesome, let's move on with our lives. And we took our places around the bunker and waited. It seemed like hours had passed before the gunshots and sirens stopped ringing. That's when we heard two voices calling out our names. Hesitantly, my dad hit the button and slowly the metal prison we had been confined to lifted. I could hear the slabs of metal slamming back to their dormant position and light filling up the room like a pleasant ocean. I was the first to walk up and out of the bunker. I walked up the stairs and that's when I saw her. I remembered at the moment if, for any reason that someone couldn't contact me or my parents, they were to call my closest friend Sierra. She was my three and final emergency contacts on all my forms. Next to her was a cop on the scene at my accident. I walked up with my hands in the air so I wouldn't get shot and killed by the policeman. (laughs) And my parents followed behind closely. It's America, you got to be careful with these people. Oh yes, so true. (laughs) No, but they're white though. They killed killed the indigenous person. Uh, 
One what I, I had Sierra before I could notice my parents' house. It was an absolute shambles. A whole wall had been torn off and ripped to pieces. All of the furniture had been turned literally inside out. Holes in the wall, the whole nine yards. People who I didn't recognise walked around the house chanting something, and the police officer started to speak. I don't remember much of the conversation, but I do remember that the hospital called Sierra to notify her that I hadn't made it to one of my appointments, and couldn't get a hold of me. She had informed them that she hadn't been able to get a hold of me either, and then she contacted the authorities. She had driven past my parents' property before the authorities had arrived, and smelt a stench that was all too recognisable, and called a friend who was a part of the Shawnee tribe. They had called the authorities to tell them to meet her somewhere close by, to explain the situation she had just been in, and to give her and them time for the Shawnee tribe to arrive. From there, that's when they saved us. The officer looked at my parents and started to explain that unfortunately with situations like these, we had to go into a protection plan. Kind of like the witness protection plan, but different. Skinwalker protection program. <laughs> Trademark that. We're making a film. <laughs> I looked towards my parents and they looked so undeniably defeated, but eventually agreed. The officer turned to me and Sierra and asked if I wanted to do the same or risk having my life be taken. I and Sierra agreed. Before I could be whisked into a new life, I asked to go outside and get a breath of fresh air. The officer agreed and I walked out to the back door. This time, there weren't any weird creatures smiling back at me viciously. I sat down on the grass in my backyard and looked up to the sky and thanked Max for everything she did for me. I thanked my neighbour and her dogs and all the animals who died in this process, and I apologised to all of them. Then I sat, in pure silence, embracing every twitter from the birds, every day of sunlight that grazed my skin, and breathed. From not far, but distant enough, I heard a tiny whimper. I got up, and despite my mind telling me, how stupid can you f***ing be? You almost died just now. Stop walking towards it. I let my body walk towards the bush that it was coming from. I reached underneath to see what it was and to pull it out when I felt something fluffy. Not really surprised, I pulled out the fluffy little creature from under the bush and I looked at it and smiled. Hopefully this is what it is, but a small dark fox with markings around its ears and eyes like Max's looked up at me. It was malnourished and needed somewhere warm to be, so I took it and walked inside. The cop looked at me and the foxling and ushered us to his vehicle without question. Here I am on the car ride to the station. All I can hope for is peace and protection. I'm going to look after and raise this foxling as best as I can until it's time to be released into the wild. Wish me luck. I just... I... I just... I... I have so many questions. Why did you like... What? Oh, baby fox, let me... Why? Oh, I hear crying. Oh, it could be one of the things that was shot by the police that was trying to kill me. But I'm going to go over to it anyway. But like, the friend... Why did when she got to the parents' house before she called the police, why did she know what the smell was? And why did she know to ring the tribe? Because I'm guessing she was one of the friends at... 
Yeah. That's the thing. Like, if, if she was one of the friends maybe at the bonfire, just, fair maybe enough. Maybe she just happened to know about skinwalkers and stuff. And so she was like, oh, maybe... let, me call, let me call a native person yeah. that I know and happened to be from the same The tribe. one native person. But I mean, yeah. if it's from the area, then it makes sense. Yeah. Because I thought maybe she was one of the ones who went to the bonfire where person told her all about them. But, like, did she tell them uh, everything, like, down to the stench? I don't know. And I mean, she's just how went did... into detail. True. And then how did the police, he was like, oh, yeah, when, like, we have a witness protection program thing for people that have been targeted by a curse of skinwalkers. Come with me. Yeah. Like, what? I'm I have no clue. The comments on That's... it are so funny. Oh, please, I need to see them. Let me read. So the, fir- the top oh, one shit. is... Gee, I don't know parents of OP. Maybe tell them about the curse? Thank you. And someone said, exactly. How can they blame OP if they never bothered to tell them about the danger in the first place? Poor Max. And someone yeah. said, you just carried one of the creatures. They are coming. Yeah. How do you Another one. know? You fool. Kill the fox. And someone replied to that saying, fuck yeah, Fox Skinwalker has joined in the battle. Like, no thank you. And you shouldn't like foxes anyway. Fuck foxes, man. This last one is a long one. It says, the first thing you do after finding a kit with markings like the dog who got killed by creatures you said yourself could shapeshift is adopt it? How is that a good idea? If it's even a normal fox, you shouldn't try raising it to be in the wild yourself. There are organizations for a reason. It has to learn how to survive. Thank you. Just people's hero complexes. Wow. It really is. Okay. I would rate that. I feel like because she caused so much like she owes, she feels like she should save it because. I mean, you can, you can, you can give it some food, but like, please give it to an authority who knows. Yeah, yeah, like you can't like domesticate a, a fox. Yeah, I mean you can, but you have to like know your shit. It's also foxes not really are hard fair. to have as a pet. Foxes are bitches. especially when you have to go into a skinwalker protection program. Probably not. Oh the my best god! Every time I hear that, it's like, what the f- skinwalker? <laughs> I just. That's that was such a. I'd give that seven spooks out of ten, because Skinwalkers really? alone make it spooky. But I, I was just so. Out and there were like twenty of them. That was like it. But like, I think the whole thing with the family and the curse and the box in the basement just made it sound a bit too like. Yeah, that's very that's handy. Why I, that's why when I told you, I was like, this really did not go the way that I expected it to go. Yeah, like that's so handy that the parents know all about it and it's actually a curse, but actually they have a metal box in their basement for this. And actually, they never told you anything. Yeah, it's like it's like those stories that start off. It's like they were just waiting for something bad to happen. Yeah, and it's like those stories when it's like, um, like you're you're a princess and they never told you so you could have a normal life, or like you're, you're. they were part of the Spy Kids family and they never told you until something bad happens and you've got to find it out yourself. Don't. Yeah, that's what I don't, mean. It's like, I know, I know the 
the goal of doing that is to like prevent well, like, it, protect. but isn't the best way of prevention to tell them? Yeah, so because they know? how did how did the kid the girl how can know you prevent about... something you don't know anything about? That's the thing. But like, how did the kid know about the grandma's experience and then just thought that it stopped or she got killed by them and that was that, but then had no well, idea the parents... didn't know the extent of like the the curse. I she just thought her gra- She was like, oh yeah, my grandma was stalked by. And that was that. Mind. Like, surely that was like a really good time to for the parents to tell her that. Like, yeah, what the, hu- what the fuck is up with that? What? <laughs> What the fuck is up, Kyle? <laughs> anyway. Oh my goodness. Right. It is my turn. So I found this story pretty last minute because I had another one that was a bit longer. But it seemed decent enough and like a bit, kind of like a bit, it's not like scary. It's like, um, what the f*** are you doing? Those kind of ones. Are um, they not all like next- that though? Oh Yeah. I I've got the car- few... every time they all just do <laughs> questionable things it's like why yes and it's like why are you doing it my, my next not my next one the one after i'm gonna do is like kind of similar to the big man and i'm quite excited liked the big man so someone should do a sequel of the big man the big baby yeah, like, i want to know what he's up to now does he still come like where is he we just need to go to wasn't it in belfast he's on a wee lane a wee lane in Belfast, I think. Okay. Yes. I'll go. Something like that. Okay. This story is called A Snowflake's Descent. So, Ooh, that's a nice name. It's a nice name for not a nice story. And it's kind of split into like mini parts, kind of like chapters. Okay, but cool. each time, sometimes it flips into someone else's point of view. Right. So part one is called The Snow Fort. Sounds really fun. It's not. Mm. (laughs) Christmas was always a whimsical time for young Christopher. Christopher's our main guy. For as long as he could remember, Santa Claus came down the chimney, left gifts, ate cookies, drank cocoa, and fed his reindeer. Then he was gone without a trace left behind, with the exception of maybe some crumbs and hoof prints. This time of year was so mystical to Christopher and he loved it. Just like any other child, Christopher was also obsessive when it came to catching Santa in the act. He could boast to his friends when he finally captured a photo of Santa climbing out of his fireplace or maybe filming a reindeer flying. That would be really cool. He yearned for the opportunity and this year his desire was particularly singular. He really wanted to. God bless. I feel like this is going to take a turn. It does. Oh, no. You see, Christopher had an ingenious plan. There was no chance of it failing. His attempts in earlier years, four to be exact, had taught him what not to do. There had been no trying to stay awake or listening for sleigh bells or setting up a video camera in front of the fireplace. No, Mr. Claus was too clever for that. This year, Christopher would hide outside in the snow. After his parents went to sleep, he would take his father's thermos and his hot cocoa and hide in a snow fort he built in the yard. That would be the last thing Santa expected. As for staying awake, he was sure he could do it. After all, he was nine now, and he knew how hard it was to sleep on Christmas Eve anyway. He'd spit in fact. 
but he didn't want to take any chances. He would take some fishing line from the garage and tie it to the fireplace door handle, then unwind it all the way to the snow fort. That way, if he somehow fell asleep, the string would tuck on him when Santa opened the fireplace door. When Santa finally appeared, he was a nine-year-old. It's very smart. It's very home alone. Yeah. Um, When Santa finally appeared, he would get everything recorded on his older brother's phone. So that'll be done. And you can show everyone. Sounds good. Okay. The front door was the final test, getting it open and closed behind him without making much noise. Starting to sweat a bit in his overalls, he held his breath until he had closed the door behind him and no lights had come on upstairs, so he assumed he was okay. He walked backwards to the fort, unwinding the fishing line, and then breathed deeply when he sat inside. Christopher sat waiting for about an hour before he felt the sleepiness creeping in. He fought it, but ultimately lost. He leaned over and went to sleep in the snow, depending on his fishing line to wake him up. Two hours later, around 2am, Christopher felt a tug. At first, his brain translated it to some fuzzy sensation deep in dreamland, but eventually his subconscious jolted him up and he bolted upright, fumbling round for the cell phone, heart pounding. He slowly poked his head around the door of the snow fort to take a look. His Two snow people... fort had a door? Yeah. This guy's wow. good. That was really good. Really good, Christopher. Two people, dressed in black, stood at Christopher's front door. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'd really be home alone. Santa. No. He froze, unable to think, but somehow knowing that these two were up to no good. Fright overwhelmed him. He wet himself. He fainted, face down, in the snow. I love how that was written, like, he wet himself, he fainted. <laughs> Just like... Hold on a sec. Oh my Poor god. Poor Christopher. Poor Christopher, indeed. It gets so much worse for Christopher, man. Oh no. Um, he awoke a few minutes later to the sound of his mother's screams. Part oh, two. No. Chris, not Christopher anymore since his parents' murder. Parents were both killed. I know, right? Isn't it like that's a bit, that's a bit escalated, right? It it continues to escalate. Um, he had not spoken to his brother Jonathan in almost a year. Two decades had passed since that Christmas, and no matter how hard Chris tried, the two just could not get along for more than a few moments at a time. Jonathan had awoken in the middle of the night that Christmas to get a snack downstairs. And on his way down the hall, he noticed that Chris was out of bed. He made his way downstairs, expecting to see his brother on the couch, waiting to catch Santa Claus like he did every year. That was when the front door creaked open and two dark-dressed men... Hold on. Yes. Is this not... Wait, I thought... What? I thought two decades had passed. Yeah, this is now saying what Jonathan was doing that night. Oh, okay, I was going to say, I was like, <laughs> I was like, 
they still live together and he still waits for Santa every year. He's 29. 29, no. <laughs> this is what his brother was doing. Okay, it's like the point of view of the night, but they were just giving yes. a little like insight. Okay, cool. Yes. Um, so yeah, he made his way downstairs expecting to see Christopher on the couch, and that was when he noticed the front door was opening and two darkly dressed men slid through the front door. He ran as fast as he could back up the stairs to find his cell phone to call 911, only to find it missing. Who had the cell phone? Christopher. <laughs> or because he wanted to see Santa. Dumb oh. child. Dumb child. Like, why would, why, would, why would the parents not just nip it in the bud if he stays up every Christmas? Like, wouldn't you be like, no, yeah, like, I'm going to make sure much- you're asleep? It's been four yeah. years of him doing this. Just be like, listen, you're nine now. You're a big boy. Things time to tell you. Things is not real. <gasps> Greta. He needs Sorry, to spoiler not... alert. He's not real. God. I never believed no. in Santa when I was a kid. Oh. Huh? Apparently, when I was like, I don't know how old I was. I must have been like one or two. Hmm. But my dad came in dressed as Santa, and I just looked, and I must have been, like, two, probably, because I wouldn't be able to say this much when I was one. Oh, yeah. But I said something along the lines of, why are you dressed like that? I love that. Because I knew it was my dad. Poor John. He tried. Oh, dear. I had, um... I just never, like, I never... You just couldn't be asked. I think... No. One of the years at my, I had like a club or something, something like a group. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't like toddler tots because we were we weren't toddlers. We were like three or four, and they got like a, a one of the dads or the like to be Santa every year. And one year they asked my granddad to be Santa, and he had to be like no because Eleanor oh no, <laughs> and she'll blow, like she'll blow the whole thing over that. Yeah, <laughs> like, she will not keep quiet about it. That's for sure. Yes, he's not one to be quiet. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so naturally, Jonathan blamed Chris for everything after that. The two men had come upstairs while Jonathan hid in a clothes hamper. He heard his mother's screams and was too scared to come out. He heard the men leave with jewellery, the lot, and went in to check his on his parents. He could not, would not revisualise the scene that he found. He staggered downstairs and found Chris in the kitchen, a blank look on his face, smelling like wee. Jonathan snatched the phone from him and dialed 911. Dinky boy, give me the phone. Like wee. <laughs> oh, bless. Years of therapy and foster homes later, Jonathan had not found it in his heart to forgive Chris. It was his fault that Jonathan could not call for help, his fault that the door was unlocked. Jonathan could not be in Chris's presence for very long without reminding him. I mean, I would too. No offence, like, you're nine, you're not a child. The f- the combination of both the phone and the door being unlocked. It's just... Like, if it was just the phone, you can't really yeah. blame him for that. But leaving the door the unlocked door. is bad. <laughs> Weird. Okay. Recently, Chris and Jonathan had agreed to meet for lunch. Jonathan was wary of the meeting, but his wife Molly insisted that he had an obligation, 
Chris was family. So they sat in a greasy spoon diner eating fried food that would surely shorten their lives in some capacity. In the way that awkward small talk does, the brothers found themselves talking about vacations. The wife and I want to get away this weekend as a matter of fact, but we can't find a babysitter. We can go another time, Jonathan said. I could watch the kids for the weekend. I'm home. Haven't seen them in a while anyway, Chris offered, overly eagerly trying to offer some sort of approval, as always. Jonathan didn't stop to think about what he said next. I wouldn't be comfortable with that, he stated abruptly. I mean, he was nine when this happened. I think he's got a bit more common sense than he did back then. I hope. Do do not speak too soon. (laughs) Do not. I can see where this is going. Molly is going to let him... Molly is going to insist that Jonathan lets him look after the kids and something's going to happen again because of Chris. Not in that capacity, but Chris does f*** up big time. Like, you thought your parents getting murdered was bad. Chris looked at Jonathan in the face, anguish filling his eyes with glassy hair. He wiped his mouth, stood and left $20 on the table and exited the diner. And that was how they left him. Jonathan making a snippy remark and Chris solemnly walking out of an already shaky lunch meeting. Chris had looked at him like a puppy at a rolled newspaper. Jonathan hadn't been able to face him again since. Meanwhile, Chris tried to move on with his life. Oh how he hated watching his mother and father being lowered into the cold ground on a grey snowy day in January. His brother would not look at him in the eye. The lady from CPS that smelled like hairspray and cigarettes wouldn't even hold his hand. What was going to happen to him? Would he and his brother be separated? How come Santa never appeared? He was partially to blame for being late. Let's blame Santa, shall we? Sure. Sure, yeah. It's all Santa's fault. Yep. He had fallen asleep in the snow and woken up without parents. Now back from the awkward lunch, as he sat in his cubicle at his dead-end job for kids without parents that grew up to be adults without parents. That's a lot. He pondered the last 20 years of his life. He punched numbers and symbols into a spreadsheet for Sentinel Home Security. He works at a home security place. Everything about the story is very ironic. It's just all irony. Christopher was robbed of experiencing joy at Christmas time ever again. His brother hated him. And for what? And for what? For what? <laughs> Your parents were murdered. And for what? His brother hated he him and for what? Reason. What is he like? Because a jolly fat man had disappointed him year after year, he could now not be trusted. So he does still believe in Santa? I think so. I really do think so because I don't think he's not that. There's so much because he really blames Santa. Really blames Santa. (laughs) I love your face out this whole story. He really (laughs) blames. I keep doing that. He really blames Santa. Yes. Yes. Has be, he uh, he been checked for his mental well-being? Clearly, they don't include that in CPS responsibilities. But then they <sighs> had like years of therapy. 
Hold on. The next paragraph literally like says, says this. To make matters worse, everyone thought it was his fault. They had even tried telling him Santa was fake, that he didn't exist. They insisted, but that simply could not be true. If it was, Christopher had deprived his parents the chance to live. No, Santa was no saint, just a man that perpetually lets people down. Like, I understand, like, as a child, you would, like, because you're, because it's a traumatic experience, you would try to shift the blame. Mm. But as an adult, you would understand. Yeah. You should understand. Christopher does not understand. It just, it gets worse, man. I'm concerned for his mental well-being. Oh, yeah. After the murders, Santa stopped visiting Christopher. What? I just thought of something. What if he's going to dress up as Santa and go into people's houses? Did I, did I get it right? No, but kind of just you can't guess what he's gonna do it's that bad oh my god okay i'm really excited to hear i can't lie i like the story that's why i was like mm, it's not scary but it's like <laughs> what the f- yeah okay after the murders santa stopped visiting christopher home after home never again did he receive anything he put on his list eventually he quit making them he added santa to another of his lists a list of people that had abandoned him he despised the ca- the parallel between his name and Chris Kringle. I don't really know what that means. Like, I like Chris Kringle, but Chris Kringle was Father Christmas in Miracle 34th Street, so... Yeah, that's why he doesn't like it, because he has the same name as Santa. But he is Santa. Chris Kringle is Santa. Yeah, no, but Christopher, the boy, oh, doesn't like I'm that so he has so the same name as Santa. F*** you, Christopher. Eventually, Chris figured out that mentioning disdain for Santa earned him quizzical looks from, well, everyone. He learned that most thought of Santa as a myth for children, incapable of causing any harm. But how they were wrong. Santa Claus had caused the death of his parents. He was an evil man. I can't can't deal with this. Day after day, Chris sat in his ringlet of blame and desperation for people to understand. More than anything, he wanted Jonathan to comprehend, to forgive him for a crime he had never committed. Except he did commit it. As he trudged home... It's not like he he killed his parents. He might as well have. It would have been much harder for his parents to be killed if he had left... if he hadn't left the door unlocked. And taken the only so he did have a hand in it, yeah. But like, yeah, he didn't physically kill them, yeah. As he trudged home one November evening in the curbside slush, he passed what may have been the last window shop on earth. In it, a 4K television played how the Grinch stole Christmas. The idea practically slapped him in the face with all the grandiosity that the season could muster. Part three, making Christmas. So simple it was, the notion of imitating Santa Claus, yet so brilliant. The notion of imitating Santa Claus. Chris would have no problem emulating the man. No, not emulating, but embellishing. A suit was easy to come by. (laughs) I can't. 
He's bought a Santa suit. I'm concerned. It's gonna it's gonna be worse. I'm very a concerned. suit was easy to come by, and if he started out small, it would be rather inexpensive. Money wasn't really an issue since Chris hadn't spent much except for necessities. Oh, the joy he would bring. Children and adults everywhere would be convinced of what Chris already knew. What's more, he could start with Jonathan's children. This would inevitably kill two birds with one stone, as long as Chris could keep his own secret. <laughs> Wait, so he's going to be like an evil Santa? I and think make, he's just trying... he thinks he could... Yeah. I think he's trying to give people a good Christmas, but then he also wants to be a bit bad so that he can be like, he's not a very nice man, but he's a nice man. If you know what I mean? So he hates Santa now. I don't think he wants, he wants to be the... He wants to be the Santa that people don't have, apparently, because Santa's an evil man. The real Santa. The oh, real... I thought, I thought he was saying he wants to imitate Santa so that he can show... Like, he can be bad... Because that's what Santa yeah. would do. So he wants to show people that, yeah, look, you've met Santa yeah. now and you know he's a shit guy. Yeah, so like, hopefully yeah. people will believe it now. I think that was his first idea because he said he wouldn't have a problem problem emulating the man, like copying him. But then he was like, no, I'll embellish him. So like make him sound better than he is. Or maybe that, that means he's going to make it sound worse than he is. Who's to know what he gets up to as Father Christmas? Oh my god. He would simply sneak in on Christmas Eve, leave presents, and Jonathan would be forced into believing that Santa had left them. This would prove Chris's claim that their parents' death was caused by Santa, because he was real. It was infallible. All that was left to do was find a suit and decide what Michael and Samantha wanted. The latter would require a bit of investigating. Oh my god, and now he's going to stalk them. Yeah. And then he's going to break into their house. Oh my god, he's insane. He's actually insane. Much worse. Oh no. Much worse. So for two weeks, Chris used his lunch break to drive his dying but not yet dead car past Jonathan's house. Each time he would check his surroundings for onlookers and then quickly open the mailbox to search it for Santa... Santa? Santa? Santa. Samantha and Michael's letters to Santa. Each time he would be disappointed. Chris had almost given up when finally he opened the box to find a white envelope addressed in children's handwriting to the North Pole, with a Rudolph stamp on the wrong side. He quickly took it, returned it to his apartment, and brimming with pride for his master plan. The contents of the letter broke Chris's heart, but reaffirmed the need for his mission. The the letter says... Dear Santa, this is typed like a kid, so I'm gonna, it's going to be difficult for me to read. My dad would be so mad if he found this letter. He says you aren't real and that you're just a way for adults not to accept responsibility. But I believe in you. I'm only five years old, but I know something happened to dad when he was little. So for this Christmas, I just want something to prove you're real. Anything will be fine. I just want him to feel better. Love, Michael. That kid should not have asked for that. Chris's eyes brimmed with tears and he knew he had to do this for the kids as well as Jonathan. 
He had to do something to take away the pain Santa was causing this family. But it's like, it doesn't make sense. He's like, hmm, how will I do this? I know, I'll pretend Santa is real to prove that Santa is real. Yeah, that's exactly it. I don't know how far he was thinking of going after the kids to do like everyone. Yeah. Everywhere. Every single person ever. We'll just have to see what he ends up doing. Life mission. Part four. There is a light on this tree. Funny, funny thing for that to say. At last, Christmas Eve had arrived. Chris laid the suit out on his bed along with the gifts he would leave Samantha and Michael. An easy bake oven and a creepy crawler's kit. Both purchased at the vintage toy convention with cash. Chris thought the vintage nature of the toys were a nice touch. Who else but Santa could acquire such things? He also knew he needed the Stop it. Oh, God. Who else but Santa could acquire such things? He also knew he needed the anonymity of cash. No one would ever be able to prove it was him. Yes, he would put the fat man to shame. A few hours from now, the kids would wake up and exclaim with excitement while his brother accepted that Chris could not be blamed at all. Around midnight, Chris put on his suit and loaded the packages into the car. He drove the 10 minutes to Jonathan's neighbourhood and parked 100 yards down the street, avoiding the risk of his car being seen and recognised. He gathered the kids' packages and walked briskly down the street, careful to avoid the halo of one of the streetlights in his path. He approached Jonathan's house from the side yard, avoiding the eyes of any night owl neighbours who might still be up. He peeked through the side window and found himself gazing into the dining room, though which he could see the living area, devoid of any children, staying up to catch the man, that Chris now considered a charlatan. Yes, now Chris was the real deal. Santa would soon find himself obsolete. This is such a funny story. I actually love this. Then came the most critical moment of the entire operation. Gaining entry. Breaking in. Breaking in. (laughs) Once again, Chris had planned well and and also benefited from his obvious destiny. This is his destiny. This is his destiny. He needs to be sectioned. (laughs) Having worked for the security... Company and gifted Jonathan his security system with a steep discount. In a previous attempt to buy reconciliation, it hadn't worked, but it had provided Chris with the knowledge that to save money, the back windows had not been wired into the system. Oh my god, man! I only like um quickly read this, so I didn't read that part. That's why it shocked me. Okay. After assuring that no one remained awake in the house, Chris slunk around to the back and started popping off screens and testing window locks. He was beginning to get nervous that he would have to break one when the last one slid open. And he blames me for leaving the door unlocked, Chris mumbled quietly. I mean, he's got a point, doesn't he? He's got a point there. Yeah. Imagine he, like, instead of doing all of this, he just, like, wanted to prove that he could break into his house and be like, see, it wasn't my fault. You're also irresponsible. He just sat waiting for You do it too. Yeah. 
The rest was easy. He closed the window behind him and found his way to the living room area and started to place the gifts. Then he heard a gasp. Chris turned towards the hallway to the bedrooms and found Samantha there, standing with an empty cup. In full Santa suit, he waited without breathing to see if he would be recognised. Santa? Samantha questioned as she rubbed an eye. Chris exhaled. Why, yes, little one, that would be me. I didn't think you were real. It's okay, Samantha, not many people do anymore, but I'm happy to have changed your mind. Chris again waited with no breath. Me too, Samantha said, wide-eyed and apparently struggling to find the right things to say to a mythical being. Chris resumed breathing again, the adrenaline fading, as he began to think of how to get Samantha back to bed so he could finish his plan. But just then, perhaps the single most unfortunate wardrobe malfunction took place. As the adhesive beard fell from Chris's face, compromised by the fight-or-flight sweat, Samantha's jaw dropped open. Uncle Chris, she shouted. Chris held his finger to his mouth as he shushed her. (laughs) Adrenaline coming back. He thought quickly, desperate to preserve his masterpiece. Part five. He's going to say he is Santa Claus, isn't he? Nope. Going to do a bad thing. He's going to kill her? So Chris resolved to take her. He did not consider the consequence. All Chris could think if that is Samantha told her father what she saw, his plan would unravel. Yes, Sam, it's me. Why aren't you in bed, he asked. I heard a noise. Daddy tells us that Santa isn't real, but I thought maybe he was wrong, but it's just you. The lie came to his lips as a final piece of the puzzle that locks in with its comrades. Destiny again, Chris thought. Oh, but Sam, Christopher whispered. Your dad says all that stuff that no one suspects. I am Santa Claus. (laughs) I knew it. I knew it. Samantha's face showed the delight that only an eight-year-old could. Chris didn't have to try very hard. If you can keep a secret, I'll take you to see the reindeer right now. Samantha nodded with enthusiasm of a hummingbird sipping Coca-Cola. So Chris took her by the hand and led her outside through the back window he had just entered. He had to keep the plan together for Michael and for Jonathan. He took the gift for Samantha with them, thinking that perhaps an easy-bake oven would be a good distraction for her, as he calculated. Wait. He led her... If she believed the lie, and he just why made her, he... like, swear to not say anything, because she had why to pretend she to take know, why can you just leave her there? Yeah. He led her down to the walk to the car, again careful to avoid the street lamps. Samantha course kept asking why there weren't any reindeer and why he hadn't used the chimney. Chris absentmindedly kept saying he didn't always use either as he tried to bring some sort of plan B into focus. The easily procured contentment of an eight-year-old again once saved him. He got Samantha into the car and began to navigate the freshly ploughed streets back to his apartment. Once then, he told Samantha that he, because she had seen him, plans for the evening have changed. He would have his elves finish up for him this year, and it was important that she be patient, because they wouldn't be able to return for a day or two to retrieve them, take them back to the North Pole. 
He gave her the Easy Bake Oven and left her in his tiny living room while he went to the bathroom. Chris grabbed several of the Xanax tablets he had left over behind his mirror from his years of psychiatry visits and used a glass to smash them into a powder on the countertop. He scooped the powder into the now empty pill container and pocketed it. No way would Samantha cooperate when he started driving her out of town. Next, he went to the closest cupboard and opened his small Walmart bought safe. In it, he kept a large sum of cash. Wary of the next time the economy crashed and the banks screw open, screw open everyone? Why this, man is screw insane. Up? this man is actually insane. He was in security after all. He would withdraw whatever was in his bank accounts later. The banks would be closed on Christmas anyway. He went to the tap and filled a glass with water. He poured in the powdered tablets and stirred as he took it into the main room. Samantha was still trying to figure out how to use the oven, not realising that the brownie mixes that it came with were long expired. He offered the water. Just realised I interrupted you before you got your water earlier, Chris said with the sweetest voice he could muster. Oh, thanks, Samantha said. As she drank, she paused occasionally to ask questions about the North Pole. How many elves were there? How do reindeer fly? How long does it take to make the gifts? Chris had a smooth answer for each, pandering her as she finally finished the cocktail. Finally, the glass empty, he took it and returned it to the kitchen. He busied himself with packing and mapping his route to Canada while he waited to take for the drugs to take effect. About 30 minutes later, he peeked around the corner from the kitchen to the living room and he smiled as he found Samantha sleeping soundly on the floor. He hoisted her over his shoulder, just like Santa and his sack. This guy's f***ing deranged. And took her to the car. He returned once more for the suitcase he had packed with all of the essentials. Taking one more look around the apartment he knew he would never see again, he found comfort in knowing he was doing the right thing. The car pointed north. Chris had a long drive to the Canadian border. He would have to cross three states to get there, but he needed to get as far away before anyone realised Samantha was missing. Jonathan and the rest of the family would probably be waking in the next couple of hours and be terribly upset, to say the least. But wait, how could he have been so stupid? What would Jonathan think if Chris has disappeared at the same time as his daughter? No, that simply would not do. He would certainly be suspected then, whether or not Michael's gift did its job. No, he would have to talk with Samantha, get her to understand. He brought the car back around to the south. His plan required he be present, as if nothing had happened. But could he really depend on an eight-year-old to keep his secret? Chris thought not. He hated how complex this had all become. And then another thought came to him. In the past... Chris had experienced a lot of short-term memory loss when he took Xanax. In fact, that's why he'd quit taking it. What if it had the same effect on Samantha? Even if it didn't, what if he could get her back into her own bed while she was knocked out? Then anything she did remember was just a very vivid dream. Short of keeping Samantha hidden somewhere, it was the only way he saw that it still achieved the effect he wanted. Wait, but he's already given her so many drugs. No, he's saying, like, the drugs that she's got in her now should okay, be okay. I thought, I thought he was saying he was going to give her more. I'm like, she's going to overdose. He might give her more. We'll just have to see. Oh, my God. It would be close, but Chris had to get Samantha back into her bed. 
He sped back to Jonathan's neighbourhood, arriving just before 5am. He took Samantha out of the back seat and moved as quickly as he could back to the window. He went first and pulled Samantha in behind him. Jeez, Chris thought, she was really out. He took her down the hall as hastily as he could while still being silent and placed her in her bed. As he left, he took one look back in the pride of a job well done. Part- yeah, yeah, job, uh-huh. job well done. So Such a good job. <laughs> Part six, Ghost of Christmas Past. At seven o'clock on Christmas Day, Michael sat bolt upright in his bed, looked outside at the growing light of the morning and hopped across the hall to his sister's room. Sammy, get up, it's Christmas, he exclaimed. There was no response from Samantha. Michael pulled the blanket back, shaking her. When she didn't budge, even Michael's young mind knew something was amiss. He tried for a few more seconds and noticed how stiff Samantha was, like she was frozen. As fear began to take over, he ran as fast as his short covered overalls would take him to his his parents' bedroom. Dad, Mum, Sammy is sick, she won't get up, he cried as she shook Jonathan awake. Michael continued to share his dismay, Jonathan never really thinking anything was wrong, until he got his glasses on and saw the look on his son's face. After that, instinct took over and he leapt out of the bed. Molly, wake up, something's wrong, he yelled as he strode to the door and down the hall to his daughter's room. He entered Samantha's room and knew from her colour something was gravely wrong. He did what any parent would, shaking her. When that didn't work, he checked for breathing. There was none. Molly, call 911, his voice cracked as he started doing chest compressions. Part 7. And to all a good night. Chris got a phone call around noon on Christmas Day, coming out of the sleep of a full night's work. His sister-in-law spoke as he muttered hello. Chris, something awful has happened, she sobbed. After a long pause, she finished. Michael found Samantha in her bed this morning. She died in her sleep. She broke down as she finished her thought. Chris sat bolt right, his hand over his mouth. What had he done? It only took a moment for him to realise his error. The Xanax was too much. He'd euthanised her. Oh my God, Molly. Yet the self-preservation instinct was strong. He had to lie if he wanted his plan to work. And there was still hope it would. Eventually, Michael would realise that he had a gift from Santa. And so would Jonathan. He'd been careful, his only loose hand had been silenced forever. What happened, Molly? Is Michael okay? he asked. And so it went. A week later, Chris walked into the wake for Samantha, not having to fake sadness, he had loved her dearly, but she had died for the greater good. Yes, this would be painful for some time to everyone, but the intended outcome of his design had already started to take hold. Jonathan had let Michael open his gifts as a distraction. He didn't know what to make of it. Michael, of course, was convinced it came from Santa. Jonathan was not. Chris overheard him talking about it with some family friends in a hushed tone. He approached cautiously. Jonathan, I... Chris couldn't finish. Jonathan stared at him for a moment, Chris seeing what was coming. He had made a terrible miscalculation. Was this you? Jonathan said grabbing Chris by the tie. What, what do you mean? Chris stammered. Several attendees rushed in to pull Jonathan from Chris. Uh, who Jonathan the f- else would it be? Right, who would have left a f- gift? Yeah, who would have broken in pretending to be Santa? Mm. Who 
Who's with Santa? Chris is. <laughs> Jonathan, sc- Jonathan screamed about the gift and how he knew Chris had been involved somehow. Explain the gift, Chris. He kept screaming, falling to his knees. Chris cowered and he fled outside. Molly chased him. Chris, I'm so sorry. He's just in so much pain. We both are, she said. It's okay, Molly. He's always hated me, Chris replied. Mary looked at him, heartbroken not only for her daughter, but for Chris as well. As she Mary? walked into his car and went back inside. was Molly. Molly, yeah. You said Mary. Oh, lol. That was my <laughs> internet sleuths. I'm so used to saying Mary. <laughs> Another few days went by and Chris went back to his life. His co-workers sent condolences, his desk covered in cards with flowers each day when he came in. Slowly he thought things would turn out how he liked. Jonathan would see no other explanation. Santa would be real and Chris would receive the forgiveness he'd purchased with Samantha's life. No. No. That is so awful. His desk phone rang. It was Molly again. Chris, the police took Jonathan in for questioning this morning. I don't know what to do. The autopsy on Samantha had been completed. Of course, her blood had been tested and the Xanax had been found in its gratuitous amounts. Unbeknownst to Chris, Jonathan had a prescription for Xanax. You're going to be framed now. Thank you. Oh my in the end, God. In the, in the end, the police decided they didn't have enough to actually arrest anyone. Jonathan and Molly didn't seem like the type to intentionally poison their children, and no one could ask Samantha if she had taken them on her own. Also, there was the question of the unexplained gift, lending credence that there had been an intruder. Jonathan did eventually come off accusing Chris, telling him that despite their differences, he knew Chris loved the children and wouldn't hurt them on purpose. The police canvassed everyone living on the street on accident. But to no avail. Chris had been thorough and lucky. Thorough. That February, Chris was invited over for coffee. Jonathan softened by his grief and Molly still pushing for the brothers to have a relationship. They sat in the living room floor, Michael playing with his Hot Wheels. Eventually, inevitably, the the conversation turned to Samantha. I still can't sleep knowing someone was in this house and no one will do anything about it, Jonathan said. He heard Michael overhearing. Someone was here, Daddy, he said, without looking up from his toys. Santa did it. Santa hurt Samantha. Oh, how perfect, Chris thought. The end. And the end. What a sh- show am i right i'm angry that he got away with it i know i wanted surely, that to go the opposite way i thought surely when michael had said santa did it that it would jonathan would be like oh santa yeah i don't know just uh... that's just like the i know it's not a funny story but that is the funny that's just the funniest story to me ever it's funny because he is crazy, but like it's He's not so funny crazy. that the daughter died. And his parents. <laughs> I'm... <sighs> yeah. I no. I mean, I liked the story, but I hate it. 
Oh, how many spooks would you rate that? <laughs> it's not spooky. Um, it, it's not spooky. I think I'm going to change the rating slightly mm-hmm. in the sense that the spooks out of 10 is going to be just how interesting the story was. Oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to give yeah. it a solid eight and a half. <gasps> wow, yeah. I liked it. I really liked it. It's just so bizarre. It's like, surely not. Surely he doesn't think Santa is... Every time it's like, no. <laughs> no. N- no way. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. my god, that, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> and I found that two hours ago. Oh. Two and a half good, hours ago. Good choice, good choice. Oh dear. But well, I think that is it yep. for today. Woohoo. Gosh, it's come around quick. We've got another What's Going On next week. No. Come around very quickly. Time flies when you're having We've fun got... on the podcast. We have another doozy for you for what's going on. Just yeah. you wait. Just you wait. You better be here no. next week. You better. Week? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because it is going to be a good one. It is. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm not going to give anything away, but it's going to be a good one. No. That's all. Yeah. So the link for our Discord and our Patreon will be in the description if you would like to join that. Um, mm-hmm. We also last week uploaded the full uncut version of us playing GeoGuessr for the first time, if you would like to check that out, because it is still very, very funny. Yes, and also an update on that, we're num- number one. We are on, on, on that, on that, where is that Nando's? And it wasn't because we had the same locations as before. It was uh, actually we, re- all... we got perfect score. Was that the one with the Wembley one? Yeah. So, oh my god, guys! Oh my god! So we were in one of them, and it was bugged, and we were in like a student accommodation hotel room. Yeah, it like glitched out. We were in a room, like in a student accommodation, and we could not leave the room. It was like because if a student accommodation, you can do like a tour of like you can go around the room. So we could go to the bed, we could go to the door, we could go to the bed, the bathroom, and that was it. And we were like, yeah. how are we going to, we've had such a good score so we far, how are we going to do this? So far. And we were like, no, how can this one f*** it up? We have- so we were like looking through the window, like, what can we see? And Greta and was we like, were this- thinking that it looked slightly familiar. And Greta was like, this kind of looks like Wembley. And I was like, okay, we'll, we'll do that. And then on the curtain of the window, it said Wembley FC. And then we knew it was the Nando's on Wembley High Street. And we got yeah, it. Yeah, I was like, no, actually, the, that actually is the Nando's on Wembley yeah. Street. It was like across the road. We could see it out the window. Oh. It was like across the road from the accommodation. Yeah, it was like directly. Yeah. Oh, my oh, God. I wish we were amazing. filming. That was amazing. That was so much fun. But yeah. We just have extra points for that. Yes, sir. Anyway, that's it from us. Thank you all so much for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, then please like, comment, subscribe, share with your friends. If you're listening on any streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Amazon Music. Music, I had to think about it for a second, <laughs> my brain glitched out, then please add to your library and share with your friends once again. As Elena said, Patreon and Discord are in the description if you would like then, and it's free to join our Discord, by the way. You just get more stuff to do on the server if you are a patron of ours. Yes, but come join anyway. Yeah. 
and follow our Twitter at We Not Sisters. We've also got an Instagram now. Yeah. Follow us there. What's the what's that at? Um <laughs> at Not Sisters Podcast. Okay, cool. And our TikTok at We Not Sisters with two S's in the end. That's it from us this week. We hope you enjoyed. Thank you for listening. And